0: i mean i'm pretty sure that's what runs through bellamy's head when jaha talks though blah, 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 blah. <laughs> hello and welcome to our the hundred podcast brought to you by the aficionados podcast network my name is Brittany ray i'm a 27 year old writer in vancouver bc in my spare time i genuinely enjoy long walks on the beach and then leaving said beach to go watch tv My favorite TV show of all time is Battlestar Galactica. I think Jurassic Park is a cinematic masterpiece, and my Hogwarts house is very obviously Hufflepuff. I'm on Twitter at at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And my name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 21-year-old film student from Alberta, Canada few things about me. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas. My favorite color is heliotrope. I'm Slytherin as heck, and my favorite sport is watching television. You can hit me up if you ever need to know anything about any minor character that has ever existed on The 100 or Lost. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Today, we have words to say about episode 403 of The 100, The Four Horsemen. So you might be wondering, gosh, where was the episode on 402? I would wonder that as well, on account of I would love to know that. <clears throat> we uh, we recorded it two days ago, because we were super late and we understood that, but unfortunately one of the files got corrupted, and so it just uh, didn't happen for us. So we are going to do a small Spark Notes version of some of the important topics that we went through in 402, just like really quick. Robin, Spark Notes. I got you. You I, did I get it? it, my friend. Did you get it? Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, start with cabby sex, because I'm very sorry that everybody didn't get to hear <laughs> Brittany screaming about it. Okay. So, hashtag cabby sex. Um, I know there's, like, a lot of flailing to do about it, but honestly, I think the most important thing to me with the cabby sex, other than the fact that it signified that Abby has moved on from Jake, is that in sort of the breadth of media women reach a certain age where they're no longer, like, sexually, like, viable to men in media. So the fact that a 50-year-old woman got to go on TV with a 50-year-old man and have quite explicit sexual scene on The CW is actually really liberating and awesome representation for women of a certain age because I think, Robin, you... You talked about this on the Riverdale podcast where someone made a comment to you that, like, because you were ace, you weren't as, like, valuable to them. Right. And that's sort of the same thing that happens to women when they get to another age is they stop being sexually valuable to people, so they stop being seen as people. So I think that most important part of that scene was the fact that Paige Turco and Henry and Cusick got to do this on a show that is skews young. And those are my cabby sex thoughts. Those are good words. Thank you! Those are a whole bunch of good words. Um, uh, we also talked about, um, Clark Griffin's shower watch. Clark showered. <laughs> Clark took a shower and she changed her clothes and she brushed her hair and she kind of cut her hair. Yeah. And also Jasper showered, but we discussed that it didn't really count as a shower because he wasn't cleaning his hair for some reason. I figured it out. What? Talk. Devin had blonde hair. <gasps> remember he had that blonde hair for a while that's why he was in a shower cap oh uh-huh. uh-huh was he wearing like all hats the last on episode 401 i don't remember i don't remember either uh-huh. a- okay i've already forgotten um talk about the briller breakup sort of thing uh well my question is is this a real briller breakup or is this just a bump in the road and is this leading to brian's death what do you think Ah, we'll find out. Yeah, but, like, for anyone listening, please don't kill Brian as the only other member of an LGBT couple on this show. Don't, don't do it. Please. Please don't. Please. Okay. Okay. Um, Riley, everyone was talking to me and yelling at me because I was at a, my musical and people were yelling at me saying, who's Riley because I'm supposed to know every minor character, but I'm not supposed to know every minor character when I when they haven't been introduced yet. Whoa. So we did a live stream of me watching this episode the day after because I was, you know, in a musical and couldn't watch at the time. And we were talking about Riley and how he knows Clark and um, Kelly at Closer to Fine and Jess at You Overcome It on Twitter Um, said, hey, he could be her cousin. And we all thought that was a good idea until I realized that cousins were not a thing on the arc because... Uh, to have a cousin, you would someone would need to have a sibling. So then we all felt dumb. You guys are so special. <laughs> um, uh, Talk about Bellamy's decision. Bellamy's decision. Bellamy's decision is basically the most Abby thing I've ever seen. He just, he's come to a point where he's not going to sacrifice any more lives. And so while tactically it was the wrong decision, emotionally it was 100% the right decision. And I don't think I could have made the hard call. No, me neither. I don't know even what I would do. Yeah. It, you can't look at someone in the eye and say, I'm condemning you to death, even though I know you're going to die later. Like, I, I couldn't do it. And uh, I want to talk about Monty's decision. So you asked me after Monty, um, after Brian was like, this is Monty's kill, how I felt about it. And I yeah. actually love it. I think that um, Monty did deserve to like, I mean in the i mean in real life if people are like hey that guy killed that guy so now you should kill him that's kind of like a uh what's going on but in like the and the the world of the hundred that's kind of just like how it works Mm -hmm. and i don't think that monty wanted to kill literally anybody else ever so i think that the way that that guy did die was like the most monty way he could have died yeah Or the most Monty way he could have had him killed. It was like the blood must have blood mentality, but Monty chose to sort of go around it. Yeah. Um, and we pretty much just talked about the fact that, uh, Jasper sings this song called I Don't Like Mondays, which is about a school shooting, and the first verse goes, the silicon chip inside her head, like, literally, uh, gets switched to overload and nobody's gonna go to school today, she's gonna blah 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 blah, but pretty much- Did they choose that song because it was about a school shooting and because it was, like, sad? Or did they choose it because literally the first line is the silicon chip inside her head? I mean, it was probably a mixture of both. Because if they wanted to choose a song about a school shooting, they could have also done Pumped Up Kicks. True. So, deeply disturbing choice. Um, And then we also talked about how the reason why um, Jasper listens to all these old-timey songs is probably because that's what's on Maya's, like, iPod or whatever, and that's what she likes oh and one other important thing about jasper um is that people are talking a lot about how they're annoyed by him and that he's too emo and stuff like this i think it's really important in terms of talking about jasper that we remember that this is someone who is so deeply injured and disturbed Mm -hmm. and isn't getting help that he is like you know he's unwell and calling him emo or annoying i mean sure you can find him annoying but let's keep in mind that his struggle represents a lot of other people's struggles true yeah uh and the last thing is we talked about ilion and how uh i think that actor's doing a really great job so far and i really like how his backstory is happening and how we're getting a new crew and also i ship him with octavia even though lincoln like just died and i kind of feel bad about it but i kind of don't and that neither of us can figure out quite how to pronounce ilion Yes. Yep. And, um, also my post-apocalyptic sass watch went to Jasper for tell me about another pointless task Clark has roped you into, or better yet, don't. And, uh, Marcus Kane beard appreciation MVP went to Abby Griffin for, like, stroking it as I wish to. Good beard. Good beard. So now we're finally (laughs) gonna move on to 403. (laughs) There's our 15-minute podcast. We're done! We're done. Um, okay, so we're gonna start with all the stuff that happened in polis- For, uh, this episode, which is called The Four Horsemen. (laughs) Um, and so really quickly, I am on the Wikipedia page for The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Um, the four horsemen are the white horse, which is pestilence, the red horse, which is war, the black horse, which is famine, and the pale horse, which is death. So cute. First of all, it's almost like it's, like, super representative of what's about to happen in the season. Huh. Huh 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 cool okay um so beginning with the stuff that happens in polis so this is the first time i'm actually noticing that octavia has these tattoos oh thank god because i really want to talk about this okay talk about it because like i feel like it uh, we might have seen them before but this is the first time where i was like oh they're okay there they are yes so octavia has actually had tattoos since the beginning of season three wow um, you can see them in one of the first scenes that she and Lincoln have, you can see them sort of creeping up her neck, Mm. but we're never actually told why she has these beautiful tattoos, other than I'm guessing she got them for Lincoln, or with Lincoln, or even he put them on her. We have no explanation for these boss tattoos. Right. Which sucks, because they are really cool, and I'd love to know the story. They're so cool. Yeah. How does Roan know that the person who stole the flame is a girl? Do I know that? Do we know that already? But. Yeah, he said it's, it's that he guessed that it was, it was Gaia. Oh, he guessed that it was her specifically because, oh, because she was like, this is blasphemy. Gotcha. Yeah, because she was heckling him in the crowd and he was like a stand-up comic going, well, you don't have to be here. Gotcha. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Gaia is the person who has stolen the flame um and like she like Mm -hmm. takes it out and like looks at it out in the open where like literally everyone can see her and i'm like i get that this is a narrative thing but like that's not smart indra apparently didn't teach her espionage so octavia's trying to like go after him and then this guy's like where are you going and then Ilian is just like stop let her let her go they're clearly trying to get us to ship them yeah and it's working on you isn't it It's really working, and I feel bad about it, because I loved Lincoln, but also, like, I really like it. Oh, I, I, it is not working for me at all. No? No. I just, I hate how fast people move on in this show. Yeah, that's true. The distance between Finn and Lexa for Clark Mm -hmm. was something like a couple weeks, and while it's totally, like, I mean, teenage girls and stuff, I feel like her love for Lexa was really, really, really strong. And just like Octavius was for Lincoln. Exactly. So if Clark isn't moving on, and then like even like Raven and Finn and then Raven and Bellamy, which I'm still holding out for at the end of the show, mm. um, and then Raven and Wick, it's right. just no one gets any breathing room. The only <laughs> relationship that's had any breathing room is Kane and Abby. Wow. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing then. I think that what they're trying to do is like, Illion likes Octavia, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, then, that Octavia likes him like that. At least, not yet. But why would Ilion like Octavia? That's true, also. You know why? Why? It's because she's really pretty. Yeah, I mean, Marie could beat me up and I'd say thank you. Yeah. But, I just, you know, she killed his ambassador friend. Like, he has no friends now. Maybe he doesn't want to like her, but he's like, oh, she's so cool. Yeah, you know, it could be it, it's hero worship. But like same. She's so cool, She's so cool. Um okay. So Indra's daughter Which like, didn't see cool. that coming? No, I didn't see that coming either. Nope. And this kind of takes away a sexual Indra for me. We kind of mm-hmm. talked about um fluidity and how, you know, it could have become a thing where she was like, this isn't what my path is supposed to be. Or, like, mm-hmm. it was an expectation or something, which is understandable. But also, it does sort of take away the representation. mm mm-hmm. um, Because, totally, that's how life works, and she could be, absolutely. But if you are an asexual person, right here, or if you're trying to, like say you know if you're trying to prove that point somebody's gonna say oh, but she has a daughter so that's true so we don't really have much to go on as much anymore which is fine because it's not like i it's not like i was holding on to it as hard as i was for monty but i did think i had a little bit more hope it's fine and of course like in my head it might just be a later in life thing mm-hmm. which is a story that is equally valid to be told. Yeah. So here's hoping. So I'm very interested in Gaia. First of all, her name is Gaia, which is the Greek mythology. Like, she's like the the what am I trying to say? Earth. She's like the earth. She's like the main, like where where everything comes from. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Um And so she's, like, really into, like, this faith, and it seems to be that Indra was also kind of in, in this faith as well, but she's, like, not as fanatical as her daughter is. Yeah, I think it was, and this is part of Indra's whole journey, is that everyone worshipped the idea of Heda, Mm -hmm. and of the spirit of the commander, and how these things are passed down, and now that Indra has been exposed to sky crew and technology and stuff, she's like, you know maybe this isn't exactly what we thought it was and so she's kind of having a loss of faith thing but i guess to gaia it just confirms that all of it is very very real and i don't think gaia's wrong because the technology and the science marry in such a way where both points of view could be justified and she's clearly like learned to fight um from her mother oh my god and (laughs) she's like i know that i know it well because I learned it from my mom and you learned it from my mom. <laughs> but how great was it that Octavia immediately pulled a sword to fight and Gaia went in with her bare hands. Yeah. Gaia, I I honestly I think if Gaia and Octavia had a proper spar, Gaia would win. I think so too. Mm-hmm. And I I I want them to be best friends. Oh my oh my god, yes. They best friends with the best hair in the whole show. Okay next thing correct me if i'm wrong but i didn't see any markings on her at all um no no tattoos i did who says tattoo (laughs) i I don't know who are you (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go out and get a tattoo later (laughs) um no i didn't see any markings on gaia maybe that's part of like the tree crew thing and she bounced before so does that make her a spy like echo I have this theory that she's not so much a spy as she is a flamekeeper who never had a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, because Titus blech, um, was covered in tattoos. So I think maybe it's a rite of passage for the flamekeepers to be marked, right. but she really hasn't had anyone to guide her. She's been wandering by herself looking for nightbloods. So maybe we'll get to see something like that later on. Right. So now octavia is kind of taken her place and she even says looks like you found that daughter now and so anyway i just wanted to point that out because i really like that line uh octavia has this plan that like you know you can totally see coming yeah i was on twitter everyone was like oh my god the flame is destroyed and i was like guys it's fine it's like so obvious (laughs) but okay so my question is what is she gonna do with the flame now I assume that she's gonna, like, go and find a nightblood and put it in him, I guess. So, who the hell is this nightblood gonna be? But now my next question is, does- is she as fanatical about it as Clark was? Who- is she, like, willing to just put it in somebody? No, I think she- like, she has the opinion that the flame does not belong to a false king. Like, a false Hater. So, Rowan does not deserve it. So I think she is going to try and find someone very, very worthy for the flame. Mm -hmm. But I read an interesting, uh, interview from Jason Rothenberg after the episode came out that talked about the fact that the flame itself actually emits radiation. Oh. Which means that nightbloods and whoever takes the flame are extremely, um they have a high tolerance for radiation they can they can survive the radiation so whoever she puts the flame in will be able to withstand i mean theoretically the next prime fire sweet so okay but clark did oh my god yeah okay 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 yep So that's interesting. Plus, um, if the flame emitted radiation, kind of makes me wonder if maybe the chips did too. And if, uh, anyone who ingested the key to the City of Light perhaps has a little bit of that extra immunity. Right. We shall see. Next question. Does she know the passcode? I know that you know the passcode. (laughs) Frick you. I know. (laughs) Um... I'm guessing that Flamekeepers must all know it. Okay. Is she like an official cl- Flamekeeper or are they just calling her the Flamekeeper because she's keeping the flame? I'm wondering if that's like what their religion is called. Oh, okay. I don't know. We-, we shall see, but I'm really interested to have this religious aspect in the show just by the way. So then, once Octavia like puts her plan into motion and all the like scary people come in, mm-hmm. Illion says no one has to get hurt and the camera's right on Octavia and I was like you're trying so hard editing is really doing the most i understand okay 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 mm. the hammer smash shot the shot where he uses the hammer uh-huh. very very cool but also how how did they get that shot Did they did they sit under glass and get that shot probably yeah i would be so scared that the glass would break and then hit me in the face well anyway these are things i wonder If you just put the camera under and not a person, then you don't get hit in the face. I guess, but, like, that's an expensive camera. True. Maybe it was, like, plexiglass or something. Sure. We have questions. Okay, last thing about Polis. So, Octavia kills, like, the main looter dude (laughs) and then lies about the flames. So, Octavia's walking with a bag and I'm sitting there going, this is Octavia, this is Polis. There's a head in that bag there's a head in that bag. <laughs> yeah. There's a, I know, right? I'm like, somebody's head's in that bag. So she killed a semi-innocent person. I mean, he was the head of the looters, but he wasn't really doing anything except destroying technology. hmm So, cool. Okay, so now I want to move on to all the stuff about the second Dawn. So my question is, you're in the year 2149. Yes. You've survived some rocky presidencies. Uh-huh. Someone tells you the world is ending. Do you follow Sir Cadogan into battle? Okay, here's my, que- here's my question first of all about that guy. Mm-hmm. In Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban movie, <laughs> there's this character named Sir Cadogan. <laughs> and when I was reading Prisoner of Azkaban for the first time, I thought it was pronounced Cadogan. And then you watch the deleted scenes on Prisoner of Azkaban and McGonagall pronounces it Cadogan. And so as soon as I see his name, I'm like, is it Cadogan or is it Cadogan? And they're pronouncing it Cadogan. Because Sir Cadogan, or Sir Cadogan, is just, like, the most ridiculous, awful knight who- He, he just, like, lives in a painting. He, and he has a fat horse. It's pretty much just, like, his whole thing. It's that he's not really good at things, and he has a fat horse. I mean, given the canon introduction of Cadogan, which I am going to struggle with, okay. seems he's not really good at things either. True. Flippin' knockoff Desmond Hume preaching in front of an Illuminati symbol. So then, so you asked me if the world was ending, mm-hmm. and I believed that the world was actually ending, mm-hmm. would you follow that guy? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be honest, I feel like it really depends on if he's like, he, what we're gonna do is just like go underground and live in a, in a giant mall. Then I'll be like, sounds good. But if he's like, yeah. we're going to go underground and we're going to live in this um, cave, I'm going to be like, no. Nah. Plus, you have to join a cult first and uh, you have to pay $10 million entrance fee. And Pass. Yeah. I read all, I zoomed in on all of the uh, text that Clark was reading on the hash, the not iPad that is just an iPad. <laughs> and it like, at one point, so here's the thing is Jaha has read cadigan's entire life story like right. at some point Felonius jaha sat down and said i want to join a new cult i'm gonna go find one and they're so similar too right and like read this guy's life story and was like this seems legit i'm gonna follow him now so you have to pay 10 million dollars to get in you have to advance to the 12th seal in order to get in the bunker right and then once you get in the bunker, there's actually graffiti on the side of the wall. This was put out on Twitter yesterday, and so I went and looked. And the graffiti of the side of the wall says uh something like Second Dawn is fake, burn in hell, Cadogan. That's what it says on in the graffiti like uh, when once they get in there. Yeah, once they get in there and you see all of the dead bodies, yeah, there's because I saw lo- I saw there is no Second Dawn. Yeah. Uh there what was it? Uh there is no Second Dawn, burn in hell. Cadigan. Yep. Yeah. So someone was just like, we're gonna build this and be like, sorry, pew pew. I think, but the thing is, if there is no second dawn, where the hell is he? Where's Cadigan? Yeah. Where did he go? He clearly wasn't there. If, yeah, that's what I thought too. So, I thought, like, Cadigan walks in there and he's like, okay, here we are at the second dawn, and then he's like, sees it and goes, oh no, gonna die in here now. Yeah. So why is he not in there? I don't I just think because the writers tweeted that, like, he was, like, sort of gonna be... Oh. ...perhaps recurring, I think we might see more from the second Dawn, and it could be that... Okay. I... It really sounds like he wasn't in that bunker. Okay, cool. I think Metastation might cover this, because, uh, I know Claire has some theories. Okay. Um, and I don't want to step on her theories, because this is her new baby. So, once you're done here, if we get up first, or if they get up first... Go listen to Metastation because they are so smart. They're, they are so smart and they talk for a billion years about, like, smart things. <sighs> okay, so let's get into, like, actually things that happened. So, Jaha is an engineer. Did he say that last episode? Yeah, he did. Okay. Like, I, I was like, uh, your job was chancellor. <laughs> so I, like, didn't think that he did anything else. But, like, that adds a whole new level to the, I killed Jake Griffin, the lead engineer, because of what he knew. Because, clearly, if Jaha was an engineer, he knew that the arc was failing way before Jake Griffin did. Right. And did nothing. And then, Clark says, don't have a choice, which is a parallel to what Murphy says, which Mm -hmm. we'll already talk about. Is just, like, talking about not having a choice, which Mm -hmm. is a theme this season, I think. Yeah. Um... Okay, so he says, or Jaha tells us that he made this big speech two weeks before the bombs. Mm-hmm. So clearly he had everything set up already. So do you think he knew about Ali? I don't know. Yeah. I would like to, though. Yeah. I would like to know. Okay. He says, from the ashes, we will rise. Uh, four horsemen. Okay, so Jaha says he sold all the real estate that their, like, company, I guess, owned like tens of millions of dollars, Mm -hmm. which like, how much real estate did you have? Or like, how (laughs) awful is the economy? (laughs) (laughs) Inflation got high. Yeah. Except he kept his his childhood home. And so Bellamy's like, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what runs through Bellamy's head when Jaha talks though. Blah, 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. Bellamy's like, maybe he kept it for sentimental value. And he's like, no, his father beat him there. Which, like, because he, he read, read his the autobiography. And my favorite part is when Bellamy goes, guy sounds like a religious fanatic to me. <laughs> and then it's like, Jaha. Okay, here's the thing about Jaha. He always wants to find a way out of stuff or, like, an excuse to do something else. And then he claims to be, like, a leader who's just trying to save his people. Yes. But his way to save people is, like, the most backwards way possible where he doesn't have to make any hard choices. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes him really interesting because obviously on the arc, he did make some hard choices in terms of floating people, but it was easier for him to keep secrets than it was to face truths. And I'm always saying like, I can't stand Jaha. Jaha's the worst. This redemption arc that Jaha's going through, I'm like, trying to like... Stay away from it because I don't want to forgive him. But, like, this storyline is so interesting. It's so interesting. And I think he's genuinely trying. Yeah. I mean, until he tried to say that Bellamy doesn't need redemption, and I was like, why would you tell a man whose entire life is based around him trying to be a better person that, basically, God will forgive him? Mm Mm-hmm. When that's not who Bellamy is as a person. He doesn't want to hear that from Jaha. Right. Right. Which is um, why I think Bellamy and Raven are on hashtag Team Roast Jaha. Yeah, I'm on that hashtag, I'm on that team also. Oh my god, let's get (gasps) t-shirts. Yeah! Yes! Sounds good. Okay, so later they find um, the bunker and they bring up the problem of if all of the fish and insects and stuff are dead, what will the predators eat now? Oh boy. So here is my solution to this. Mm -hmm. Okay. If... Luna and such are getting radiation poisoning and dying because they're eating radiated, irradiated fish. Mm -hmm. If all these predators were also eating irradiated fish and bugs, they probably dead. So I'm like, nice problem, Bellamy. Already solved. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Bellamy. Bellamy, you don't have to worry about being eaten by a giant mutated mountain lion. It's probably already dead. Everyone's like, ooh, that sounds very foreboding, and I'm like, it's it's already done. We're fine. No, Robin, it's just gonna be Panna Part Two, yeah, the but... Radiation Edition. Exactly. So, um, Jaha says that Bellark mm-hmm. keeps each other centered, which like, cute. Yeah, that was that was nice, even though how would Jaha know any of this? Yeah, Jaha, don't pretend that you know these people. So, uh, it's mentioned that he shot Jaha twice, which I totally forgot about. Yeah, Bellamy was Jaha's original assassin. Okay. I want to talk about the 12 seals. Okay. All of this has happened before and all of it will happen again. That's for my PSG crowd. Well, here's the thing about the number 12 slash the number 13. Yes. Talk to me. It is a big old sci-fi trope. Um, mm-hmm. Think about, I mean, I'll use two examples here. The Hunger Games. Yep. Where you've got 12 districts and the secret 13th. Right. Battlestar, where you've got 12 planets of Cobol, and then the lost planet 13th colony, which is Earth. Right. And now we've got three different instances of this number being used in the 100, which is the 12 stations, the 13th cast out as Polaris. Right. 12 clans, the 13th is Sky Crew. Right. And now 12 seals, and I'm guessing, again, a 13th somewhere. 13th is just Cadigan. Yeah. So this is a huge sci-fi trope that, and I really think this season, Jason is going for like a Battlestar type thing because you can see with the religious overtones and all of like the cult mythology and stuff, this is very Battlestar Galactica. Right. Especially in, you know, the later seasons with season four where Baltar and Jahar are paralleling themselves a lot with becoming fanatical religious icons, even though they're not really sure that they even believe in it. Mm-hmm. So I just really am so fascinated in this like, symbology. Is that a word? I don't know, but I like it. Okay. So I, I looked up 12 Seals Apocalypse, and I got 7 Seals, which is uh from the Bible, and mm-hmm. also 7 Seals Album, a 2005 album by the German power metal band, Primal Fear. So one of those is relevant, and I think it's the metal band. Yeah, me too. Yeah, okay. Moving on, um, <laughs> let's see. So... This dude had the 11 seal. Now, my question is, you have to, like, level up. Yeah. To get, like, he uses the phrase level up. And I'm wondering how mm-hmm. you do that. Is that, like, how much money you pay? Or, like, do you have to, like, do ridiculous things to level up? I don't know. I think you do. I think it's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Where mm. you have to recruit more people in, which means they're paying the $10 million entrance fee. And right. then the more people you, you recruit, the more popular you get, the more things you contribute, the more, like, the higher the seal you earn. Right, okay. Which is horrible. So once they actually get into the bunker, um, I really liked the moment where they said maybe they're still in there because I almost had this moment of being like, oh, whoa. they made Bellamy knock. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. He's like, hello. <laughs> oh, poor Bellamy. <laughs> Cat he probably again. In, he's probably sitting in the car ride back home thinking y'all made me knock you idiot he's like i looked so dumb all the dead people were like who's there no one was there to appreciate my beautiful freckles <laughs> um so once they get in there like he has this um what is it a flare Eh? a flare like to to turn on that like he it's not like just a torch that he was turning on to light the place oh yeah it's a special sci-fi flare Yeah, okay, cool. So he turns it on and it's, like, red. So, like, this place is, like, it's just what hell would look like. Well, I imagine you can sort of see broken down structures and other entrances. I imagine that it was once really beautiful in there. Because there's sort of, like, Mm. where everyone is floating in radiation soup. You know, like how all the dead bodies float in, uh, Harry Potter and, uh, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, the Inferi. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. There's, like, a big circle, which I think is probably, like, one of their, like, common areas that they had. And then there's doors around the edges. Okay, I, I found a mistake. You found a mistake? Yeah, I did. Talk about the mistake. So, um, all the, all the stuff that was in that bunker was, like, CGI, right? Uh, yeah. So, um, somebody made a mistake. Why? Because we zoom out, and, like, the closest body that we see um, a spider crawls on it, and I'm like, excuse me, sir, you're supposed to be deceased. Oh my god! <laughs> right, though? Hey, you know what? I, if there are radiation-proof spiders, I do not want to know about it. No, me neither. I don't want to know about it, I don't want to hear about it, I don't like that concept. No. So I think that CGI just, like, hadn't re- looked at the episode <gasps> because they just didn't know that bugs weren't supposed to be in there or something. I hope. Okay, moving on to the stuff that happens in Arcadia, including the, all the Murphy and Amori scenes, Raven says they would even they would have one meal every other day. Oh, God. And Bellamy says that he doesn't want to be one of the hundred that ends up, which, like, of course he doesn't because Bellamy wasn't one of the hundred in the first place. Yeah, classic and classic Bellamy, he absolutely would sacrifice himself for someone else okay so then Nico and flow crew show up and shout out to Nico because we totally met ty did you meet ty-, ty olsen no did you meet ty olsen yeah he was nice we gave him a hug he was cool oh he seems like um, a nice man he was in Battlestar. Amori and murphy finally get to talk about what happened with ontari what did you think of that scene um i don't know I, like, genuinely don't even really have an opinion about it, just because, like, I'm trying to figure out who's in the right right now. I don't- the thing about that scene is I don't think they're ever gonna address in a very obvious way the fact that Murphy was obviously, like, coerced into sex and that that's sexual assault. I mean, he says, I didn't have a choice, which is, like, probably the closest that they're going to get to that. Yeah, that's the heavy implication, and I'm actually really glad that they acknowledge that, because they didn't last season no but now the show is saying textually this happened to murphy it was not consensual and i guess Amori didn't understand at first but now she kind of does yeah i think so yeah so then they say that the the reason why luna and flow crew are having issues was because it was from the fish and it's not an airborne problem mm-hmm. um we realized that instead of six months we really only have two months of survivability oh great by the way because well the thing is like i understand because they're like what why did ally lie but i don't think she really i don't think she lied i think she was just saying in six months this this will happen but she didn't say but you'll probably be dead in l- less than that yeah i think her estimates were just off to be honest yeah i think that maybe she was just like not like they just took it like this is how long we have when it was really like this is how th- it's gonna get really bad at this point point. and the shorter timetable puts the show directly in our timetable Because we've got, like, what, two months worth of show left? Right. So, that makes sense. Um, and another, like, a really, like, sore point is when, uh, Raven says, who gets to live and die is Clark's specialty. Oh, So that's, like, she needs to make a list is pretty much what's happening. here's, Here's the thing about Clark making the list. Why the hell is she basically making it by herself? I know. If- I were in the middle of the apocalypse and I was surrounded by people that I loved and who I trusted, I would need input. I almost think that she should have invited Abby into this. That's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say and not an obvious Abby stand yeah. <laughs> Which is, if I was in the middle of the apocalypse and I had my mom, I would ask my mom for help. Yes. And your mom would help you because she's your mom. Yeah. and Exactly. exactly. Abby knows what it's like to ration and Abby knows what it's like to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. She has experience in this. This was the time for Abby to participate. Yeah. So once Murphy comes back to Arcadia, um, does Miller check him out? Yo, yo. So is it Murphiller or Millamy? Well, Millamy would be Bellamy. Oh, my bad. Um, uh, oh my god, is it Miffy? Milfamy. Nope. That's all three of them. No, stop using the ami. Uh, that's not him. I'm sorry. Murf. Murfler. <laughs> that's just his Murler. name. With a funny sound. No, because it's the Murler. lur and Miller and the mur of Murphy. Murler. Murler. Sounds like Chewbacca. Fine. Anyway, moving on. Dad <laughs> Miller's <laughs> back. He's alive. <laughs> I was really worried about Dad Miller. Shout out to David Miller. Love him. I was really worried about david miller and i love him and he's okay yeah that brings me joy so um once murphy goes into like uh steal some stuff murphy overhears the fact that um uh, you know the world's ending blah 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 and raven and abby have this oh this conversation and it's like heartbreaking yeah honestly though like i'm kind of on team raven for this which i understand i gotta be on team raven for this one i understand that my my whole thing with this is that the thing that I'm most grateful for in this scene is that Abby is given a perspective that people can understand, mm-hmm. because a lot of Abby in season two and season three, when she goes up against Raven, is Raven being very combative with Abby and Abby being chastened, and the narrative doesn't take her side, right? Um, and doesn't present Abby's point of view as one that. The viewers and the audience could accept as valid. So in this argument, you can see very clearly that they both have totally valid points, which is that we should save as many people as possible, but we should also save as many people as possible. Cuz Abby's using um we save who we can save today. Yes, which is a very Bellamy point of view. But then Raven mentions that on the label it says that um it has to be administered within 24 hours which is a good thing to know for mm-hmm. the future. Um and then you know Abby accuses her of killing Adria, which is sad. which was not cool, but first of all, Raven telling Abby the doctor how medicine works cracked me up. Yeah. Um but two, that was way too harsh of Abby it and it's very harsh. I understand why the show did it. Yeah. I just kind of when things like that happen, Abby is never given the benefit of the doubt by the audience, so mm-hmm. she's just going to be villainized for this, which drives me crazy. And what I thought was really great, even though I don't think he should have done it, because I, I am still on Team Rafin for this, mm-hmm. um, Murphy gives the pills, and I understand why, because, you know, Jackson brings up the, fa- the fact that his father got floated for the exact same thing, which is, like, so great, like, what a great callback yeah, to that, because... If they hadn't said that, I would have forgotten that and been like, this is so out of character for Murphy. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm really glad that they did that. Really interesting that Murphy finds out sort of accidentally that they're all gonna die and the first choice he makes after finding out that everyone's gonna die is to try and save a life. Yeah. That- that's huge! He's been changed, definitely. Through Murphy- we get the perspective that Abby's point of view is just as valid as Raven's because she is backed up by Murphy's decision. Mm -hmm. And then we also, over the course of the episode, discover that the, the drugs are useless anyway. So it wasn't a waste to try. Right. At least for them. And so it doesn't work and she dies and, like, that is, like, such a heartbreaking scene and, like, Nadia does an incredible job nadia is amazing i'm so glad she's sticking around and she like talks about the waves and it's beautiful yes so then at the end murphy goes and tells amori what's going on and he's like we have to go back on but here's the thing are they on the list i feel like they're not okay here's the thing i think murphy's on the list i don't think amori's on the list you think so you think clark would put murphy on the list i think clark would put murphy on the list but i don't think clark would put amori on the list i i would um, i could be swayed in that direction Okay. Um, I definitely don't think Amori's on the list, but I'm, I'm not sure if Murphy would be on it even. Well, actually, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'll think about it later. Okay. Think about it longer. Okay. So a couple of the names on the list we get are Kim Ginsburg, which shout out to Kim Shumway and Aaron Ginsburg. (laughs) Next, Tim freaking Bartlett. Oh, here we go. (laughs) They're bringing Tim Bartlett back. Now here's your, here's what you're, you're thinking right now. Anybody who's listening, here's what you're thinking. Uh, Tim Bartlett? Who's that? That's what you sound like. Tim (laughs) Bartlett? Huh? That's what I sound like. Check this out. Pilot freaking episode. It's about two thirds of the way in. And Abby looks up to the freaking monitors. And there's Clark right there, and she's being like, oh, Clark, I hope you are alive. You know, like she Mm -hmm. is in the pilot. And right beside Clark's name is a Mr. Tim freaking Bartlett. (laughs) And my whole life I've been waiting for Tim Bartlett to show up again. What if Tim Bartlett and Riley are best friends? I would freak out. But here's the thing. They had a picture of Tim Bartlett Mm -hmm. up there. So they have to get, like, that kid back. And now I'm thinking... Tim Bartlett, what is your story, Tim Bartlett? What have you been doing? Did you go to Mount Weather? With Tim Bart- Bartlett and Mount Weather? Because he clearly didn't die, so maybe he went to Mount Weather and they saved him. I don't know. I don't know. Tim Bartlett, who are you, Tim Bartlett? I must know. He's very important to me. Anyway, moving on from Tim Bartlett. You will never move on from Tim Bartlett. So, Clark- Clark hasn't written her own name. Do we know- what is the, um- What is the official, not official, but, like, accepted Hogwarts house of Clark Griffin? A lot of people say Gryffindor. Um, I would say Gryffindor-Slytherin split. Right. The reason why I don't think she's a Slytherin, at least in this moment, is this. Because I'm a Slytherin, and if I had to write a name, guess whose name's first? (laughs) It's me! I'm first! She's a Gryffindor for sure. So so she's definitely got to be a Gryffindor because I do not believe that if Murphy was writing this list, that he and Amori wouldn't be number one and two. Straight up. So that's why that... Okay, who else is on the list now in my in my mind? Because we don't recognize any of the names that we see other than Tim Bartlett. Shout out. So... <laughs> no, they very carefully didn't show us any notable yeah, names. Yeah, anybody. I think because next episode we're going to find out who's yeah. on the list. So we've got... Pro- definitely Abby, probably Jackson. I would be surprised if Jackson wasn't on there. Monty, yeah. Raven, Bellamy. Pref- hopefully, like Harper and Miller and Dad Miller. Yeah, Kane. Kane, of course. Yeah. Is she gonna bring in Roan? I think this is just the Arcadia list. Okay. And then she puts it and she folds it up and she puts it like oh, so haphazardly. And then I watch the the like um trailer for the next episode and I'm just like of course someone's gonna find that and someone does find that clark griffin clark griffin is many things but good with objects is not one of them no definitely not she just puts stuff down and it disappears you know what this like immediately reminded me of except for the flame what when ross made a pros and cons list for dating rachel oh my god and i was like clark what are you doing she's not Rachel? She's not usually that careless. No, she's not. She, if I were Clark, I would have folded that thing up and stuck it in my jeans pocket, and it would go yeah. everywhere with me. Exactly. Yeah. Or, like, hand it to Raven and say, be careful with this one. So, um, sidebar, shout out to Bob for being the most handsome while sleeping. So beautiful. How does so he do beautiful. it? So beautiful. I don't Incredible. know. So, Luna gets healed because she's a nightblood. Yes. And they're so dramatic about it. <laughs> like, Abby's like, there's one variable. And Clark's like, oh, because she's in I'm like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I just saying they're going, someone say Nightblood, someone say Nightblood, someone say Nightblood. I'm like, uh, of course. Like, everyone's so dramatic about it. I'm like, clearly. Bless. But how exciting is that? Because, one. It's great. Now Abby has something to do this season. Super excited about that. Because she gets Yay. to go on cool boat rides with, um, our faves are going to be in the same place for an extended period of time. By the way, Mm-hmm. and she's going to get a plot, and she has to hang out with Murphy. And how much you do you love Murphy and Abby in this episode? I, I love Murphy. Murphy, she, Murph, Murphy's my favorite. Three people have called Murphy John, Jaha, which he did not deserve, and Mori, and right. now Abby. <laughs> That's, That's so really cute. cute. Okay, segments. Segments. Okay, my first segment is called Asexual Indra, question mark, question mark, question mark, which I'm going to find a new segment, I guess. (sighs) I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm fine. I've kind of just given up on this show because I'm just like, there's asexual someone on Riverdale. Yeah. And he's a main character. (laughs) Your uh, segment for this one is Asexual Jughead, question mark, question mark, question mark, and this episode of The 100 (laughs) did not disprove Asexual Jughead. Thank you.
1: Yay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We did it yay okay you do your first one okay so my first segment is cgsw which is clark griffin shower watch and it looks like clark's continuing to take showers and brush her hair and that's the bare minimum that i want for her so i'm proud of her yay yeah so this episode uh for the post the post-apocalyptic sass watch um i didn't pick something specifically but i did write down a few uh quotes so let's see um i might give it to bellamy blake for if you're wrong and there is a hell then i guess i'll see you there yes but i also wrote down raven reyes for once a cockroach always a cockroach huh oh raven my beautiful sass master so uh that's that's the post-apocalyptic sass watch and um we cannot bring you marcus kane beard appreciation this week for marcus kane nor his beard were in this episode and i'd like to launch a formal complaint but we can't assume i'm i am assuming that it's good beard good beard good beard um here's where we would usually put our trail our like full trailer reaction but i have to go because i have to go perform in a musical so we're gonna have to not do that this week sorry (laughs) but thank you so so much for listening to this episode and we're so sorry that we missed last week we won't do it again um our music is terminal by good news tunes and if you're a fan of the cw's other show riverdale which you should be because it is incredible we also have a podcast for that and coming soon, we are going to be launching a Lost podcast with special guests. Very special guests. Lots of special guests. Mm-hmm. And you can follow at The Afficionados on Twitter, and you can tweet us with anything you'd like us to discuss or discuss with us, because we love talking to you. Uh, you can also follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash The Aficionados. And we've just launched a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The Afficionados. We have just gone over all of our expenses <laughs> for, oh uh, for this year, and we've realized <sighs> that it is a lot... Um, so, even if you don't have the means of helping us out, if you could share it, it'd be so, so, so cool. Yes, and we really appreciate it. Honest God, we are so touched by people who have already reached out to us. Thank you so much. And we've got some really cool rewards if, uh, if you are able to help us Yeah, out. we're gonna make you stuff! Yeah. yeah! You can follow me individually on Twitter, at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, on, like, pretty much any social media. I also run at The 100 script. And we, like, just hit 4,000 followers, whoop, whoop. which is so, so cool. Join the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia with two T's and an underscore at the end. Next week, we'll be talking about episode 404, A Lie Garden. Ooh, okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Love bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.